Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. This week we're going to be talking about an another, uh, another essential aspect to growth, which is called pruning. I know many of you are like going, I don't want to hear this. Don't go there, Pastor. Oh, I'm going there. Pruning is defined as to trim a tree, a, a, a shrub, a bush. But it's by trimming, by cutting away a dead or a broken branch or limb, especially with the idea of increasing productivity of fruit. So just as a plant is actually healthier because it's been trimmed, it's been pruned because all the dead branches or limbs have been taken away and the nutrition that's going to the dead branches or the dead limbs is no longer going there and now can go to that which has been fruitful and it begins to sprout more and it becomes even more fruitful than before because the dead stuff's been taken off. Well, If there is something in your life that is unhealthy, God wants to prune it. And if there is, and I want you to hear hear this, if there is something in your life that is good, but it is not the best, God still wants to prune that. I know we didn't want to hear that part. See, God's not satisfied with good for your life. He wants the best. He wants great and so if good says prune it. Prune it. Although the process may be painful in the moment, the outcome is divine and it's beautiful. So like many aspects of our of our faith journey, pruning isn't always easy or pleasant, but pruning is necessary in order for a healthy new growth to occur. And each and every one of us as believers. So let's turn and look to John chapter 15. And let's look and see what Jesus says here in the book of John. Starting at verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. And when we say a grapevine, it's for a lot of us in America, we don't understand. We kind of get confused sometimes. Many of you would not because we live here in, in grape country. But the, the vine of, of, of this, what Jesus is talking about, is what we would refer to as the trunk of a tree. Okay, It's the main part that the branches all come from. So Jesus says here, I am the grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine and doesn't pr- that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Catch that? He even prunes the ones that do produce fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me, Jesus says. 
Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a very simple illustration. All of us understand that. Have you ever pruned a tree? Have you ever cut a branch off of a a bush or a tree? Once it's disconnected, it ain't working no more. It's going to wither. It's going to die. And Jesus is trying to say, don't you understand, child of God? If you are not remaining in me, into the trunk, into the vine, being Jesus, you remove yourself from Him, all of a sudden, you're dying. You're not connected. You're withering. The truth is, God has a green thumb. Marvin does not, and anybody at my house knows this. If there's a way to kill a plant, I can find it. But there's two things in John chapter 15 that that are communicated by John or by Jesus in John chapter 15. The first one is Jesus makes it really clear that he is the vine. He wants the listener to understand there's no life apart from me. Just as all the nutrition needed for a plant to grow is connected by or comes from the trunk or from the vine. And the other one is this. Who is responsible for the growth in the life of people? It's God. There's no other being who is qualified to oversee the growth in your life but but Christ. So these two things are incredibly important for us to keep in mind as we're talking today about pruning. It's crucial to remember Who is behind all of it? He is the, I'm going to say, the divine gardener. And he has the big picture in mind of your life and in mine and all of those you care and love. When you look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that God causes just a few things to work together for... Oh... What's it actually say? One, two, three. Everything. See, and we know that God causes everything. What does that mean? Everything? It means everything, everything, everything. To work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to my personal purpose in my personal life. Oh. According to His purpose. His purpose. Do you know His purpose for my life is a whole lot better than Marvin's purpose for his life? And the same for you. So now back to that definition of pruning. To trim, right? You know, when we trim a, a tree, a shrub, a bush. By cutting away the dead and overgrown branches or stems, especially with the idea to increase fruitfulness. So one of the main jobs of the master gardener is to remove the dead and fruitless or even broken limbs in Marvin's life and in your life. Often a plant's hindered by that dead portion that's still connected to the vine. Because the dead portions are just sucked 
sucking and, and sap all that, all that nutrients away from all the good stuff. In our lives, we often have similar areas or branches that have become hindrances in our own life. It may be sin that needs to be removed in your life. It may be to discipline in ways that we've never disciplined ourselves before. It may be that something in your life is distracting you from being so focused on the King and on His kingdom. See, the gardener is going to prune those, th those things so that we might have a better opportunity to grow and to see more fruit. Pruning by God is not punitive. He's not pruning me because He's angry with me. The gardener doesn't go, I can't stand you, orange tree. Yeah, yeah, let me cut that limb and that one too. If you just hate the thing, just run it over with the bulldozer. That's not what gardeners are doing. They're investigating each and every one of those branches and those limbs to determine which is the right one and how to get the right angle so they can get the best what? Yield and fruit at some point in the future. It's not punitive. When God's cutting something out of my life, it's not because He hates me. He's not sadistic. A healthy Christian is someone whose strength comes because we actually trust the Lord even in the midst of being pruned. And trusting in the Holy Spirit, when we do, we experience actually great fruit. Galatians speaks about this. Galatians 5, verse 22. And it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. There's nine of them here. Catch this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Have you ever noticed there's no law that says you are loving way too much other people according to Article 49 on, on Section 3. You have broken the law. You're a too big of a lover of other people. Too much, you are too happy. There's too much joy in your life. You have broken another law. We can't have that much joy in this, in this region. You have way too much patience and kindness. We are going to throw the book at you for all of that. You see what the Word is saying? It says there's no law against these nine things. Now I can bring out a bunch of other things and you would all say, oh yeah, you better have a law against that. All stealing is a bad one and murder, there's another bad one. And, and slander and... All sorts of fun stuff we could put on this list. But you know the fruits of the Spirit? There's no law on any of them. He says, do it as much as you want. You'll never get in trouble. Wow. This is a fruit list that comes because the Holy Spirit is active in your life. And because He's pruned in my life those things that shouldn't be there, this stuff comes out as a special fruit. Now think for a moment about the fruit list 
the only way these fruits are able to grow day after day in our lives is for us to trust and to remain connected to Jesus. Remain in Him. Stay connected to His church. In the middle of adversity, in the middle of trials and tribulations, stay connected. Why? Otherwise, you'll feel slowly but surely a distance, a disconnect. And before you know it, you'll feel yourself slithering away. Be careful with that. Spiritual growth does not and cannot just happen by accident. There's that pruning process. And I want to share something because I kind of went out of order and I, I don't want to forget this. The pruning that God does in our lives is not because He's angry, as I said earlier. And it's actually quite the opposite. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, verse 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. A lot of times we hear that verse, and, and for those of us who might be young in the faith, we may not understand what this is talking about. So I'll take you back by memory to Hebrews chapter 11. It gives you a list of all of these great generals of the faith. I mean, it goes all the way back to Noah and all these people who did great, wonderful things for God. And so when it speaks about a great crowd or great cloud of witnesses, it's referring to all of these Old Testament heroes. They testify that what the writer of Hebrews is saying is actually true because they testify it by the way they lived and how they interacted with the Lord and what God did in their life in them and through them to other people. And so he's trying to say right here, the, the, the author is saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So why are we to strip off all the extra weight? So those guys who've been in the military, I have and my son has, and he would talk about how he would have to do this ruck. Ruck is what you would call like a, 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 this big long hike. And they would put on this gear. I mean, this stuff can weigh anywhere between 60 to 90 pounds, depending on what they're doing. So they got this big old backpack, and they're just having to go and go and go and double dime, and they're going and going. But you know what it's like to take that big backpack off? And then they say, now run. They're like, going, oh, this is easy. I remember when I was a kid playing football, I mean, you got to take the shoulder pads and the helmet off and you have to do the last laps and run and sprints. And you got those shoulder pads and that helmet off and you're just like, man, I can do this for days now. And that was just a little bit of weight. So what is weighing you down? Why, do you, why does he say get the weight off? Because you take the weight off, obviously you can go farther and faster and there's more endurance. See, there's something 
in all of us that weighs us down. I, I've prayed for people, and literally they say, I, I feel like this heavy thing came off of me. And they feel like they can float almost. See, that's what sin does to us. You feel the heaviness. You can't stand straight and tall. When sin is in your life, and you know it's there, you walk as though if you have a heavy bag on your back. You don't take big strides. You can't. You'll fall. So you take these little ones and you go real slow. You've been weighed down. The writer of Hebrews says, take off! Strip off that heavy weight. Another way of saying, get rid of your sin. It's holding you back from exploding with adventure in the Lord. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Pruning, it's not easy. It's not comfortable. But in the end, as the healthy things are constantly removed that are harmful to us, well, we find in and we experience freedom and peace and joy. There's a story about a, a guy who had a little Tweety bird named him Tweety. And he had two of them. And Tweety, well, had these little claws, these little talons. And they, they would grow out so big that it would catch on all of the, the items that he would use to perch on. And Unbeknownst to them, Tweety's talons had gotten so long, Tweety couldn't get his little talons off. And literally, he was upside down for at least an hour, stuck with his talons holding on to the perch. Because he couldn't get free because the talons had gotten clawed in and had stuck onto this perch. And so they had to do what they didn't want to do because, you know, birds don't enjoy it. But they went in and they grabbed the little Tweety and, and the owner trimmed all of the talents. And then we didn't have any problems. Well, of course, as time went on, Tweety's talons grew back. So he had to go inside that, that, uh, that cage. And man, that bird went to all eight corners. Woo, 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 woo. He didn't want anything to do with the master who was trying to remove the long talons that were causing him problems. He would get them and that little bird would just wiggle and try to get out and he would have to trim them. The other one was Charlie. Charlie, for whatever reason, really enjoyed being captured and would let them pet him. And he didn't get... The other one, you could feel the heartbeat in the hand. Boom, 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 just gracing. But this one seemed to trust the master. Is there something that has to be pruned in your life? Are you like Tweety? Or are you like Charlie? Because the master is so loving, he's going to come every month. He's going to come on a regular basis and say, I have to catch you and I have to trim 
for your best interests, not mine. Do we trust Him? Do we trust Him? Spiritual growth does not and it doesn't just come by accident. It's intentional. I've shared the story about all those guys of, you know, who didn't get the job because he'd only had one year experience repeated ten times, not ten years. And there's something there of that refusal to grow. So the question is, is maybe you're an older person. How much have you really grown in the Lord? How much? The Christian life is a process that we enter into when the seed of the gospel, when the truth of the kingdom, the word of God is when it's planted and and we open up our lives like good soil and our hearts to the Lord. It is true that God loves us just as we are, but he loves us so much more that he won't let us stay the way we are. He desires way much, so much more for you and me. So here comes a personal question. Are there some specific areas of your life that could use some pruning to allow God to bring some real healthy growth in you? What are those areas that need to be completely lopped off? for the sake of future growth? And are there areas in the past that you're recognizing God pruned way back then? And praise God He did, because now I see the victory from that. And now also, is there something in your past that is dictating your future or your today and it's not godly? Are you going to let God prune that? Do you trust God that He knows what He's doing even though the process of pruning is painful? So let me close with this this story. The, uh, The Eskimos are considered some of the greatest hunters on the planet. But there are certain animals that are incredibly difficult for them to catch or to hunt. And one of, one in particular animal has an incredibly great intellect, the keenest smell and the sharpest eyesight that's said of this animal that they could literally, if I had the eyesight of this animal, I could read a newspaper 150 yards away. This animal is, is called the white wolf. They say they can smell something from two miles away and detect the presence of humans, I should say, from two miles away. They suggest that their eyesight is better than probably any other eyesight in North America. And yet the Eskimos had devised a tactic that has proven to be very successful in capturing them because they have determined it's it's ridiculous for us to try to outmaneuver their intellect, their smell, and their sight. We can't hunt them 
They're too sharp. They're too smart. We will die in our efforts to try to hunt down the white wolf. So this is how they've determined to take out the white wolf. They get a a stick, so big, and they get a blade. And they take that knife and they sharpen it to a razor's edge, sometimes a double edge, but they sharpen it to a razor edge. They put it outside in the freezing cold and they wait till that blade is frozen. Then they take the blade and they get a bucket and they stick it into a bucket of blood and they pull it out and then they wait for it to freeze. Then they take the blade and they stick it in the bucket again and then they wait for it to freeze. Back and forth, over and over again till they have a really super thick layer of blood on this blade. Now they take that blade, they connect it to that stick. That stick is now staked into the ground. And they go a very far distance away from camp, away from any smells of humanity, and they leave it there. Now, the wolf has this incredible smell. And he smells blood. And so he finds it. And he investigates and does his complete circles back and forth, back and forth, and knows that it is safe, that there is nothing else around. Begins with first sniffing the blood. And then the unthinkable happens. He licks. Ooh, that was tasty. He licks again. And licks and licks One layer, two layers, three layers, and keeps licking. But in this process, his tongue, because it is cold, the blade is frozen, the blood is frozen, his tongue has now become numb. And in that numbness, he doesn't realize that he's literally gone through all layers, exposing that razor-sharp metal blade, and now his tongue has its first laceration. Continues and continues. And before you know it, he's tasting real blood. His own. And he keeps going. And he keeps going. Because it's so good. And he's thinking, i got to keep going until all the blood is gone. Well, there's no way you can stop because there's always going to be blood because the blood is coming from the wolf himself. Finally, he can no longer lick Because there's so many lacerations that the tongue is so raw that he has to walk away. And the roof typically gets away no farther than a mile at the most. And the Eskimo has hunted down the white wolf. The enemy of your soul has placed so many Blood, popsicle, knives, all around your life. They're all over, tempting you to say, just lick, just taste. Nobody will see, nobody will know. Just go for it. Not knowing. That just like the wolf, before you know it, we can't stop. And it has us. 
And it's destroying us. No one will ever see me doing this. No one will ever know. We say that thing to ourselves, don't we? You say, I'm safe. This is harmless. But with every lick, you're getting closer and closer, layer by layer, to the razor-sharp blade of sin and to the ultimate regret of your life. So maybe it's better to let God prune us than to take a lick of the knife that the enemy of your soul is offering you. Will you bow your heads? Father, we come before You and we all feel the heaviness of a word like this. Because we have all faced temptation. And we've all sinned. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Lord, yet sometimes we don't understand the severity of what we're playing with. What we're licking. Not understanding that there is a master hunter coming after my soul. Coming after the soul of each and every person in this room and listening to this podcast. God, we need Your help to say no. To walk away from those things that will harm our soul, our spirit, even our body. God, will You set the captive free? Will You help us to be set free from the temptations of the enemy? If you're here and you're, you would say, there is something in my life that needs to be pruned. There is something that needs to be lopped off. There's, there's a blood popsicle that's tempting me. I want to be set free. I need the blood of Jesus to cover me. I need to be set free. If that's you, would, would you look at me? Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Father, I just pray for each and every person. Lord, that we would just be real with You and say, I can't do this on my own. I need Your help, God. Would You destroy the tools of the enemy? Would You bust that knife? Would You destroy it? Would You remove it? Would You take off these these dead limbs and branches in my life and prune me, even if it hurts, so that, God, You could have Your will, Your way in my life, so I won't hurt other people because I'm hurting, so I'll be free 
from the talons of the enemy. God, set your people free. We know nothing's impossible with you. I pray, Father, your will. I pray, Father, your way. In Jesus' holy name, we all pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.